Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is way right. I mean, this is way right. This is wow. 100 yards right. Two perfect shots, Michael. You got me in the water on one and over the green on the other. The ball itself has its own energy, or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send them home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Welcome to episode 85 of the Break 80 Podcast. Dowds here. We are back and fresh off of live podcasting at the Minnesota Golf Show. We have the Get Wasted Mismanagement open to discuss what a disaster outside of the golf shots that were hit. Um, the DJ dusted off the winning cobwebs. And Tiger Woods makes his 2024 debut this week as he hosts his own tournament. Lots to talk about. Here to break it all down with me is short-sighted Mike and top 100 tim how are you guys doing this evening fantastic feeling this feeling a little bit uh hung over from our our performances on stage from the super bowl and not quite as bad as as some of the folks at waste management probably feel this morning though <laughs> no well and i don't think i've ever been booed as much in my life as i was booed by the simulator with all those wedges that went left at 16 at uh, tpc <laughs> Yeah, what what a two day bender for those that that do, went to the, the the management open and then they went to uh, you know watch the Super Bowl at night. I'm sure it just they just rolled one party into another. So yeah. However, we have a, a fourth joining us this evening. I like to call him our legal representation. We need to go to him often for things that we might say or do. Um, it's Mr. Zach Senfish, who is here to break down specifically the tailor made in Costco situation that's going on with the Kirkland irons that are being sold. So we're going to welcome Zach. He's going to also chime yep. in on other things. So uh, welcome Zach. Yeah. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, as, as legal counsel, I'm feeling a little underdressed. I don't know. It's not very professional. <laughs> I should have been in a suit and tie. <laughs> You'll Staying be out soon enough, Zach, as you're getting married soon. So, so save. <laughs> well, let's slide. You might want to put it back on when we talk live though, is, the Las Vegas Country Club was the mob hangout. We'll have a little bit of info on on how or what that means. A little I can't later. believe the mob didn't have better didn't have a better choice of golf courses than that shithole. It was it was never about the golf. It was about the money <laughs> embezzlement and the well, uh, the great drinks that are available at their bar. Don't they want to play good golf too? I want to know. I how I many like... kneecaps can they break in in one <laughs> round? I I just. I was hoping that, uh, you know, George Clooney and Matt Damon and all those guys would show up to try to rob half a live this week. That's what I was hoping for. No, uh, just Graham McDowell did that to the fans by getting T5 and being in contention and boring everybody. Okay, fine. We can jump into to, uh, <laughs> the People's Open where Charlie Hoffman almost won. Yeah. My goodness. Mr. Irrelevant. 
Yeah, almost, shot. almost. I can't. I don't know what's receded more, his game or his, his hairline. Like, like we haven't seen much of Chuck lately, so it was good to see him back in action. I love that three quarter hold off. I can watch that golf swing all day long. But um, yes, the uh, the mismanagement open, if you want to call it the get wasted man well, open, whatever you want to call it, was a disaster. Not from I think it was really good golf this week. I think. Uh, it was fun to see a guy having to make three birdies to win it um, at the end of the same hole on a, on a tough hole. For most part, 18, you know, they always say it's a tough driving hole. And so to, to birdie that one three times to win is was well done from Nick Taylor. But I think, you know, the A topic is usually the golf, but I think the A topic here is what were they doing in terms of managing a disaster of a situation? I mean, from the sounds of it, and maybe you guys can confirm this, it sounds like literally if you wanted to go, you, you would show up without a ticket. You know, everybody waits in line to run to the spots. It just sounds like you just get into the herd and you don't need anything. You just get to run in and they just didn't check or they didn't slide any or swipe any tickets or or what, anything. So they end up being way over. I think there's like a half a milli at some point in the Waste Management Open in Phoenix and Scott's still there. So... Um, what a mess. And I don't know. Uh, I don't think the rain helped either because then you throw drunk people who, who couldn't walk to begin with. And then you throw wet conditions and it's even more of a disaster. So the crowdedness and all that plays into part. So what was your take? We'll get to the golf, but I think, uh, like I said, the A topic is more of the, uh, the shit show. I think, um, I think the weather had a lot to do with the, the players, you know, because Zach Johnson got into it. We'll talk to that guy, Tim's guy from Iowa, and uh, and Billy Orso. But I think the wet conditions made it so that the fans couldn't be as spread out because you just couldn't stand. You know, a lot of the hills was where, where you'd normally stand and watch, but there people are falling down and well, had drunk too. But so all of these fans, I think, from what I what what I've heard and read were like condensed into certain areas because they couldn't be in other areas because it was so wet and, and on like hillsides, you know, up in the rough and stuff. So they all get condensed into these certain areas, which just makes the party atmosphere even wilder with all these people there. But um, I, don't you just think like, this is what you are known for. And every year it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and, you know, you have a lot of people out there who aren't there to, they have, they know nothing about golf. It's just become another sporting event where they want to go party. And at some point, this is bound to happen. Like it just had to, it, it, you can't, you can't control that many people when they, what did we hear at the golf show? They were like almost 800,000 beers were sold or something like that. It was just an insane amount. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just out of control. What I can't fathom is, and I can put him back. I think I probably had eight eight drinks at the golf show on Saturday. Perfectly fine, still swinging a club. I could have still played 16 in person at the waste management. <laughs> uh, I don't understand how people are literally passing out, falling from over. Beer. Unable That's what to I can't walk. figure out. From, from beer. beer. Who passes out on beer? These are adults. Like This is not like 14-year-olds out there. Like... Uh, an adult should be able to drink a lot of beer. It's not like they're drinking heavy beer. They're drinking like, you know, Coors Light and Bud Light and stuff. You should be able to drink that all day long and not pass out. What a bunch of softies. Just unbelievably bad drinking results. And I don't know if it's just 
you've got a bunch of people from California coming. It's people in Arizona are soft and they don't drink. But if you had waste management anywhere in the upper Midwest, this would not be a problem <laughs> because people would not be that drunk off of 10 beers in the Midwest. No. They would be perfectly sober and ready to drive home at the end of <laughs> end of the tournament. And I'm sorry, legal counsel, that you're here to hear that. I uh, I heard today from a fairly good source that they had over a hundred people that had to be carried out because they were completely, they were completely out of out lights out, passed out over a hundred fucking people had to be carried out of that place off beer. It doesn't make sense. Like no. Maybe if they're doing shots, they sneak in a whole bottle for themselves. Then maybe, maybe there is one great illustration. And for the listeners that, that don't know, I get these illustrations done. But we decided if it ever happens, the only one of us that could get that drunk is Jeff. And I'm going to have to carry him out so I can get a photo done so I can get illustrated for my wall. Jeff's hit his fifth beer and he's talking trash to players and then just goes down like a like a like a lump of something. What I'm sorry, but the way I think of this is like how like if you're drinking 15, what does that cost? I mean. You go to any sport event, a beer's like eight dollars, ten dollars. I yeah, mean, more than that, probably. Yeah, like I just, I, I, like you drink fifteen beers and paid whatever. I mean, I, I just, I would love, yeah, I'd have a good time there, but it's like I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not gonna pay that much money to drink fifteen beers. So I, I'm just like, I'm amazed that not only are people buying that many, but like the amount of money people were just spending isn't. Wow. I mean, I would. I will, I will pay. I will pay that money to watch you drink fifteen beers. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm in financially. Whatever it costs to watch Jeff drink fifteen beers in a day, I will cover the cost. Oh, I, just, I, I don't need to talk about you know my my good old days, but I I did participate in case race back in the day. Oh, <laughs> at Saint University. Part of the problem with this with the way it's set up though is, and this is bound to happen. Like these people are showing up at six a.m. or something and then they all run to the 16th t-bot 16th hole no actual golf shows up to the 16th hole until what 10 o'clock noon so they're just sitting there for four or five six hours just getting shit-faced just waiting to rip into people and boo and whatever so it's like it's like just a building of of like tension almost and like they're just waiting for something to happen i mean they had did you see the snakes they had with the cups they were like they went on forever huge snakes what else did we have we had a couple very large gentlemen uh trying to do a little bit of a, a water slide down the down the grass that was soaked on saturday uh, we had a gentleman do a cartwheel into a bunker and, and attempt to do a snow angel in it as well uh the the, the list of of those that have fallen and come up completely muddy is probably onto multiple hands, toes, and and other extremities you can count. It was it's fun to see. The clips are really fun to see as the aftermath. But the players, oh my god, did they complain? Only only a couple of bitches. Like, let's be real here. We've met Billy Horschel shortly and talked to him. Billy Horschel's a tool. He's he, he's a tool. <laughs> We talked well, to so him. much for having Billy on ever. <laughs> <laughs> and and your guy, your guy I'm still a fan, Billy. If you ever want to come, legal <laughs> counsel still a fan. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> here's my okay. Here's my stance on this. Were the fans out of like 
the most out of control that ever been, of course. But don't you know, when you sign up to go play in the waste management, don't you know that that's a possibility that, that you're going to hear from like that's it's the one time a year where it's not buttoned up and you know and everything's quiet and everything other than like a Ryder Cup. So like for Zach Johnson to get all butthurt about the fans yelling at him for being a shitty captain, which he was. How about be a how about Zach? Don't pair Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler. I've been talking about this for a, like a, forever. It seems like. How about you be a better captain? A. Secondly, you laid up on every par five at Augusta. You should get chirped at every tournament for the rest of your life. But like, just hold on now. Hold on. He did find his big boy voice. He's been around Bob Parsons enough. Yeah. He found his big boy uh, pants and his voice and he chirped back and he did chirp I, back. I was, but like, I was impressed. And then he shanked one. Like, right. Like he was so worked up. Did you see, did you see the shot he hit after that? Like he was so worked up and it's like, don't you go into this knowing that that's a, a possibility that this could happen. Now, granted it was worse than ever this year, but like, holy cow, Zach Johnson, you're, Big deal. The fans are chirping you. He got all pissed when one of them called him sir. Did you see that? They said he was all pissed about getting called sir. Like, what the? what is going on? I don't know. Where uh, do you think it goes got, from here? The guy that got upset doesn't know how to chirp back. And just hilarity ensued. But that's part of the problem is is what you, I think, alluded to, Mike and Jeff, too, is this, you, you have spillover out of 16 where, like, the parties happen – and some of these guys just aren't used to it outside of 16. Yeah, yeah, they get to that one hole, and they know they're going to have to hear it on that one hole, but they're used to not hearing it the rest of the golf course. Well, and the thing about this tournament is, yes, it is different. You know, it gives a different vibe than all the other tournaments, and Tim can kind of comment on that's kind of where, where Liv wanted to take it, where it was more of a party atmosphere. But you know what? It is, you know, even look at the 3M this year. I mean, it is... You know, the, the waste management has things that other tournaments don't really have when it comes to environment. And even the 3M tried to create something on 18 this this last year that was called, I think, the party deck or something like that, where they had set up where they knew where they set up was they're going to try to hit into, you know, on the 18th hole, right? Like, I don't think it's the idea of of a really fun hole to watch shots and, like, create that kind of more party environment is great. And kind of what Zach was saying is like, when it gets to all the other parts of the course where, where players don't really, they want to break from that. You know, I, I, I can see where it's like, you know, where it's like that. Yeah. Cause somebody does say like Billy Horst, what he throw on a Florida Jersey and act like he like loved it when he got to 16. Yeah. On 16, they're, 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 they're all putting jerseys on and begging for it. You know, he's throwing footballs. He's, he's acting like he's the greatest man, but then, you know, that's when he's on the stage. But then when you get him off stage, turns into somebody else now i think he was not so mad about his shot he was pissed at somebody else for getting on some lefty was hitting the shot they were talking when he was hitting it was a monday qualifier too that guy he was back yeah. there somebody else up somebody had a great mashup where they took the uh billy horschel complaining and he you know he's well i think i think he said what he say we're, this is our fucking job," he said to the fans or something. And somebody did a great mashup with that with the jackass guy from Happy Gilmore, <laughs> and they put it all together. It was awesome. But yeah, I don't like these guys are so pampered. Like, come on, it's one it's one event the whole year. Like, big deal. Just it, grow up and deal event. with it. Not a signature event either this year. Yeah, like. 
it's like go to any go to any like uh, nba game or something and those guys are getting yelled at every game by people like i know golf is different but it's one week calm down zach johnson yeah well let's let's maybe look into a little bit of the golf i mean nick taylor on thursday shoots a 60 i mean what a memorable week for him shoots a 60 i'm pretty sure right i think it was a 60 you know, comes out 11 under, I mean, plays amazing. Then, like we all know, you you back up. It's really hard to go low again the second time. He struggles, you know, on, on Friday. Or I don't remember what day because they're all the rounds are all goofed up for me. But the second round struggles some, you know, makes some bogeys and doesn't really have it going. But, you know, when you shoot 11 under, you've got some strokes to play with. And then very impressed how he just hung in there. He just hung in there, hung in there, hung in there. Everybody thought Charlie Hoffman went kind of nuts on that backside and and thought that that, that was over. I mean, I saw numerous tweets and, you know, Charlie Hoffman, I can't believe. But then here comes Nick Taylor chipping away, chipping away, needs a, a birdie on 18, you know, gets it, rolls it in, does it again and does it again. You know, makes three consecutive birdies. And, and when you say you go out and win a tournament, I really thought I, th- I thought that's what he did because you know Charlie Hoffman tried to run away. He didn't back up into a tournament. He went out and won. And I love guys that go out and steal it and go out and actually win it. Like they they seize an opportunity and they take it. And um, yeah, props to that dude. And, and here's the thing: Nick Taylor now has four PGA Tour wins. Four. Yeah, he's good play. He's a good player. He's really good. I mean, and I think that way, right? But here's like like Wyndham Clark three, Tommy Fleetwood none. Matt Fitzpatrick, two. Brian Harmon, I think he has three. Tyrell Hatton has one. Sanjay yeah. has two. I mean, these guys that get a lot more recognition that have played in the Ryder Cups, the President's Cups, the whatevers. Um, Nick Taylor is sneaky. I mean, I, I don't I don't see I would want that guy on the President's Cup now that I've seen him under pressure, how some of the clutch things that he's done. I would not if I was I don't know who is the next captain, but I would want Mike, a guy. Mike Weir. Who is Canadian. it? It's in Weir. Canada this year. It's Mike oh, Weir. He's in. Nick Taylor's in. Oh, for sure. I, I think he's super clutch. Like those putts where he was making, they weren't like on the edge of the hole. They were dead center. Every single one over and over again. Should we be worried about the PGA tour? I, I'm Why? just going to put this out there. Let me run through this. So these are the winners this year. We've got Chris Kirk. We've got Grayson Murray. We've got Nick Dunlap. We've got Pavan. We've got Wyndham Clark, but Wyndham kind of didn't win. It was well, three it rounds. Would have been, it would have been Wyndham or Ludwig, who's also a stud. And, and then Nick Taylor. And this was the first tournament of, of all of the tournaments that was close. Again, we're tossing Pebble out. We didn't have a third round. The only one that's been close has been this one that's come down to the line. And we've got no what? major winners there's, farmers there's insurance no... pavon had to make a 12 footer to win by yeah, one a, yeah yeah again it's pavon who cares these people don't matter but they the, but the, I, the, I think okay the star power on the pga tour right now is is caught behind previous no names now we've now we have to to better look them up um but the star power has not been front and center for the tour and some of the finishes have been really, really lackluster. Not they haven't had any other stars really like win anything this year yet. Not yet. Genesis, Genesis is always a big event this week. But 
doesn't live also prove that the stars don't really matter because nobody watches live and they got supposedly all these big names and nobody cares about that. Like Dustin Johnson, won big name. Nobody watched it. Nobody cared. So what's like, I think, I think people like storylines and excitement more than they do stars. It's not like other sports where you have your team, you know, you got the Vikings or whatever. It's like people just want to watch good, exciting golf. And uh, the waste management provided good, uh, although it went into the Super Bowl because it went late, so nobody's probably watching it, but uh, it provided an exciting, thrilling finish. They did, and this was one of two tournaments now that has done that. But it's been a bit of a wash so far on the PGA Tour as far oh, as for sure. one, noti- notable winners, and two, good finishes. And the studs have not shown up yet. But they have not, and it's been, a, it's been a tough... I know it hasn't for viewership, but for someone that likes close golf matches and wants to see some of the well-known guys win. It's been a really tough start to the year for the tour in that regard. Is it about who actually wins or is it like who's in contention? Who has a chance to win? That's, that's no, like, of course, like, you know, the winning adds maybe a little bit more prestige, but like, it's like, who's in contention? Who is, who has a chance to win coming down the back nine? That's what intrigues. You had a Scotty Scheffler at one point you had, you know, Spieth was kind of in there. Sam Burns has been there. I mean, it's not. I think at the end of the day, whoever ends up winning that, you know, is is it's great and all, but really, it's the who who are the who are the dogs that are chasing, or who the who is the guy that's trying to hold off? And at this point, the number one player in the world was in this tournament, Charlie Hoffman, out of nowhere. I don't know where he found the fire firepower. I don't know where all of a sudden he was the you know hottest putter in the world. A Thursday afternoon, Augusta for for Charlie, but yep. but he just you know drains a bunch of pots and you know has an insane iron day and, and, you know, goes out and does it. I mean, that it's not like, you know, Scotty Scheffler is right there. It's not like they're, you know, the, the leaderboards, five guys that nobody knows about. There were some legit guys trying to win this tournament. And that's when you tune in hole 12, 13, 14 to see what happens. Cause golf, we all know, like there's some wild, wild things that can happen. And, you know, I think at this point, Charlie kind of wrecked it a little bit because of his run Nobody could really keep up with how many birdies he was making. Um, and then Nick Taylor just decided to, to be gritty. Like uh, it was, it was yeah. more of the, the two guys that just played such good golf. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Kudos to Charlie Hoffman. He shot 64, 64 of the, in the final two rounds. I mean, what else? Like he was good. He was great. I think the depth again, went not, it gets old, tired comparing live in the PGA Tour. The depth of golfer on the PGA Tour is so much better on the bottom half. You know, we're we're like live guys. It's the same like ten guys that have a chance to win every week because the the bottom guys and live will probably get there. They'll probably take more players. You know, especially when when the merger happens, they'll probably get guys playing both. But there's there's guys in the PGA Tour that can pop up week in and week out like Tim was alluding to and, and play really, really good golf where, you know, I don't think uh, um, some of your guys, you know, Dick Bland, he might play well one time, but there's a lot that there's nobody on the bottom end of live that can, that does that very, very often. It's maybe it's very rare. If you're well, part- we saw, we saw a resurgence of, uh, of Matt Wolf. This yeah. Matt tournament. Wolf played well. So that's that's one of those players that again and it for a second there through the first round it looked like Liv was completely turned upside on its head with some of the guys that played the absolute worst through the first event, um, Pat Perez, Wolf at the top or towards the top of the leaderboard. So there's yeah. 
There's but some Russ flipping there, but Russ I, I didn't finish I, there. I do no, wanna, he did not. I do want to say though, if you're playing on the PGA Tour, like you had to play some really good. Outside of a couple of wild exemptions, you had to play some really, really good golf to get there. Whether yes. you qualified, whether you got your card, you you don't you 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 had to earn that. Like you had to play at some point. You had to shoot a 63, a 62, a 61 to even sniff one of those events. Like you had to find hot golf at some point to be able to get on that tour. And so even if they're no name people, they have proven that they belong there. I mean, they've done it time after time. And even the old guys that, you know, just get crazy exemptions just because they've got certain money made on tour or whatever. Those are the guys that seem like they don't really belong just because they're not playing good golf at the moment. Well, that's how Charlie Hoffman got in on a career money exemption. Well, either that or, he was adorned with waste management stuff head to toe because that's his main sponsor. Well, but he love, I mean, he's the guard. He's like, he's he's their he's their icon. Like that's who they. Well, yeah, know. most weeks his game is trash, so it makes sense to that's, be sponsored. You know, you're not you're not wrong, Tim. He's been he's been bad. Other than <laughs> yeah. when he plays the match, other than Thursday at the Masters when he's perennially whenever he's in it is on the leaderboard. But yeah, I mean, I think he get did he get into Genesis because of this? He might have. I mean, yeah. I would. But but wait, wait a second! Didn't Charlie Hoffman? This goes back before Phil went to live. It was the waste management where Charlie Hoffman was complaining about the rules officials. Yeah, he was going to be a live guy, supposedly. Yeah, it seemed like he was he was going to be the spearhead of heading to live at the waste management because there's some drop rules that they were. He was you know beyond himself how these guys could screw up the rules or whatever. And uh, yeah, he's looked like he was fed up with with PGA's tour stuff, and here he is. He's back. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think the thing, the PGA Tour, what they seem to have, and again, it's sometimes no names, is they do seem to have, and it's probably because there's so many players, there's a hundred and some players in most, most events. There's, a, they, uh, there's always a storyline to latch on to. You know, it, it was Dunlap winning at the, at the Amex or Pavon, the Frenchman with, you know, there's always some sort of story. And here it was Charlie Hoffman trying to get, which, I'm actually glad he didn't win. I'm glad Nick Taylor won because Charlie Hoffman is 47 years old. He would have got a two-year exemption. He would have got into all the signature events and all that shit. And he's frankly not good enough to be it to do that. He had he found lightning in a bottle one one week, uh, and it almost got him into everything again. Uh, where Nick Taylor's a legit, you know, we saw it at the Canadian Open last year. He's a legit, you know, really good player. Um, can we talk 16 for a moment? Yeah. Um, How trash the hole is. <laughs> well, it's not, it's, it's somewhat that I like, I feel like this year they went overboard with hole 16. Like they were showing guys like Martin Laird put one to 45 feet. Like I don't need to see that. You know, like, I, like they were just showing like any shot. Like it's almost like if somebody teed off, they were going to show it. it. It wasn't like the good shots or the, the really bad ones that they boo. I'm just like, I don't need to see that. Now I did like the Kisner and Smiley combo. That was fun. They're good. They're good. Kiz is good. That was added. I liked. I thought they didn't force anything. I think they just like. It seemed like they just were like drinking beer and talking about the hole. That's the vibe I got when I watched. Like there's two buddies watching it live and just commenting like they were, you know, had a couple cocktails, right? So that was fun. But I'm just like, it almost was like obsessive. Like I don't. I didn't get to see many other other shots that I wanted. Like. The contention shots, just random dudes hitting on 16, whether it was a good shot or not. 
That's a little overboard if you ask me. I was just waiting for somebody to like fall off the top of the grandstands or something. You know, it's, it's so many drunk people just hanging out. Yeah, I don't know. I Zach and Tim have played there. Um, the golf course does nothing for me, although I will say this about it. I do think the finishing holes, 16, 17, and 18, do do play well for tournament golf. They lead to a lot of drama. Because they're, they're like Thigala. Remember Thigala blew up there and like, Ricky Fowler blew up there one year on like 17 or 18. And it's a good finish for tournament golf because a lot of stuff can happen. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would even, I would even throw 15 in there too. Cause it's a pretty reachable par five. That's yeah. eagle. So you could, you could really have some leaderboard movement there. Yeah. It's a good finish. The rest of the golf course, I don't know. It does nothing for me, but I don't know. Scotty. I, I I don't have much to comment on that course. Kind of boring. Scotty was uh, first in uh, strokes gained approach and second in strokes gained driving or first in strokes gained driving again and <laughs> every single week. It's uh, it's one of the best displays of hitting the golf ball that you can find in the history of golf. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would have to go back and look through stats here and this might get me on the preposterous statement award. Uh, but at what point? Yeah, his ball striking might be better than like prime Tiger was, because if you think about it, Tiger made putts. He made big putts and he made putts like Scotty Scheffler's ball striking right now is unbelievable. He's gaining so many strokes on the field. Uh, the gap between him and everybody else and like strokes gain approach is just insane. He just doesn't make any putts. He putted one into a bunker. He putted one into a bunker. Like it's his putting is not getting any better at all. It's just staying bad. Uh, but his ball Imagine striking, how much like, or he'd win. Like if he could putt, yeah, I'd be unbelievable. Like his ball striking numbers are it's absolutely insane. And it's not just ball striking. He's a good driver. He's one of the best drivers. Other than Ludwig, he's probably the best driver of the golf ball this year. And he's long. Like it's just it's it's unbelievable. I can't believe the lash that he takes with his driver. I can't believe how hard he swing, <clears throat> swings on that. And to find that he's one of the most accurate guys off the tee is wild to me because it looks like, how do you time that thing up with everything moving and all the legs moving? So I don't know. I just, I, I kind of knew like, you know, he was, he was right there. I think he had birdied five in a row. You know, I don't know if that was on the third round or what. And then he comes with, you know, fin- then he ends with the bogey. And then, and then when I saw in the final round, I think he, he got on in two and he had like a 30 foot Eagle putt, leaves it like six feet short and then misses that one. You know, he just, he doesn't take advantage of how well he hits it. I, I can't, I couldn't imagine how frustrating it would be to be him. Like it's gotta be festering. Like, you know, you walk away off the course, just, you know, the guy that says, uh, how'd you hit today? Well, I shot, uh, Shot 85, but it could have been a 76, you know, like they get those kind of guys. I feel like he walks away every tournament like that. Well, shot, I took third, but I could have won first by seven strokes. I just putted decent. Honestly, though, what is he doing with this putter? It makes no sense for him to continue to play a blade when there's so much technology out there available that could fix some of his issues almost overnight. The fact that he hasn't upgraded clubs to something that actually realistically fits his game. I, it, here nor there about practice, 
you can just spend the money and and make the upgrade. It yeah, costs, we found it, it wouldn't even cost him anything. We found the solution this weekend. We know what's there, Scotty. You just get the lab broomstick, and he will be unbeatable. He's it's the most amazing putter I've ever putted. But listen to this now for the season. Anybody want to guess what Scotty Scheffler's greens in regulation percentages for the year for 2024 so far? I want to, what's PGA average is what 60 ish percent. I don't know, but well, I'll just tell you Scotty Scheffler right now is 88.38% oh greens, greens in regulation for 2024. He's not, he's almost 9% ahead of anybody else. Almost, oh my God. He's, he's almost hitting 90% of greens and regulation this year so far. He played that is well. unfathomable. It's absolutely insane. Like you just to think about, like I'll go down the list here and you think of some pretty good players. The tour average is 71% and he's hitting almost 90% of greens and regulation. And he has not won in like a year. Cause he has not won since what last year's waste management. Probably. I don't think he won after that, did he? Players? No, he won the players. Did he win the players last year? Or that two years ago? I think but he hasn't He hasn't won for a long time. Think of how many long par threes there are. You know, like it's like it, this these aren't easy like two hundred and twenty five yard par threes. You know, like there's probably three of them or two of them at least. And it'd be ninety like how many times like it's a tight course where you can't I don't know. I just I just like to hit fifty five percent of green regulations. To be honest, he uh, he did win the players in twenty twenty three. So that'd be yeah, his so. last his last win was March twelfth. So he's almost a year out of not winning, and he's hitting just unreal, crazy like iron statistics and approach play and driving and everything. It's it's wild. Well, if we want to transition in, we saw a W from a guy that had been away from the winner's circle for a bit, too, with Dustin Johnson winning the live event in Las Vegas and uh, beating out um, Taylor Gooch. Peter Uline and Graham McDowell, some big timers. And and Matt Wolf back in pretty good form uh, at the Las Vegas event. So good good to see him coming back, recovering from from his time both away from golf and and really from striking the ball very well. Um, I won't go into the tournament all too much, but it did come down to the last hole, which was is, is exciting to see. Um, but the course itself was a bit unique in that one of the ponds had a plane protruding from the water. Uh, Las Vegas Country Club featured, almost jokingly, in Casino, uh, there was a... a, a and this is a real, real life event. This is not fiction. This is not the movie. But in 1981, the FBI was was attempting to uh, to take photographs and get information on some of the mob bosses that would hang out at the the country club there, and uh, stayed in the sky so long with their small Cessna plane that they ran out of fuel and had to crash land into the pond. The country club full of these mobsters thinking this was absolutely hilarious that the FBI was was, you know, so or at their job. Um, the FBI did fish out the Cessna that they crashed. The country club purchased a replica Cessna and placed it back into the water exactly where that's cool. The FBI had crashed their plane. So very, very fun story. Um, and 
anytime you can stick it to a three-letter agency, <laughs> you know I'm going to find it funny. What do you think they're doing up there in that plane? Are they taking pictures? I mean, what did they have for tech in the 70s? Yeah, I did 81. So I think probably just taking taking aerial photos, just seeing who's at the club, who's talking to who, uh, trying to identify, you know, is it this mob boss? Is it this person? You know, what this guy doesn't even play golf. He's just the kneecap breaker. Why does he ha even have a set of golf clubs? And why is he here on the country club? That kind of thing. Maybe it was DB Cooper making another run at some at, at some money. And then uh, famously featured in in the movie Casino, which I might watch later tonight. We'll we'll see. It's a good movie. We'll see. Hey Tim, um, I just want to tell you the theory of why Matt Wolf finished so high this week. The theory, my theory? Is, no, the theory is of Matt Wolf why he played so well is because he doesn't have any friends to go out with, so he was like fresh and he could just play three rounds because everybody else is getting out, you know, getting tossed. <laughs> He's got no friends, so he just stayed in and ordered in. He was working just, on his. He was working on his TikTok, his TikTok dances for the next cringy live, uh, oh, live promo. Uh, what's his name? Played well again, Surat. He was twelfth place. Yeah, fun story about him too. In checking into the hotel room that he'd booked for for this event, uh, because of his age, he's nineteen years old. He could not check in to the Las Vegas hotel. He actually had to have. Uh, Terrell come back. He kind of made a face at Terrell, like, what do I do? And Terrell's like, what's going on over here? Terrell had to swing back through the line and sign off on Surratt's room so he could stay at one of the casinos close by, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Your love for amenities is, it goes deep. I just... <laughs> it, it, it's, it, I, it is legendary as it should be, because why would you play golf if you're not going to experience all of the higher class things in life? Which golf bring you? Because real golfers, real golfers are just concerned with golf. Tim, nobody gives a shit about the other stuff. Just, I've never met a guy that's so passionate about just everything. Bathrobes, bath <laughs> shower robes, and and soaps. I can't. Do it. <laughs> it's just incredible. You guys aren't civilized, and it shows. <laughs> so okay, one thing before we get off the live that I I know I harp on this every time we talk to live. These teams are so bad. There's, there's the disparity in the teams is absolutely ridiculous. How can they do this? Smash GC shot 33 under. They won. There's only 12 teams. Phil's team shot 20 over par, 53 shots worse. Like they're not even competing. Like two teams shot over par at Las Vegas Country Club, which is not a hard golf course. Wait a second. They shot 20 over par in one round, correct? Combined? In one round. So in one round, rules... 20 over par in one round. One they were, round. They were... The, rules, the rules are different, guys. So the first two rounds, you take three out of four scores. Okay. And in the final round, the championship round, you take all four scores. So that's that's why there's, there's you know, you got a four under, a nine under, and then a plus 20. And it was 20, 25 mile per hour wind gusts out there on Saturday, finished on Saturday. Uh, and it was cold. Everyone was bundled up. Um, I don't, I don't think it got, got out a, of the fifties. You got a team that you're only still taking three out of the four scores and they're still 20 over. They took all four that day. But they their, shot seven over. 
They shot seven over as a team for the event. When two of the rounds, they get to throw out a bad score. Two teams shot over par. The high flyers, and I mean, the stingers were decent, I think, at time, but typically it's the ironheads. The ironheads and the high flyers have no chance of winning an event. There's, I would be shocked if either of those teams with, the, with their current roster wins an event. When Kevin Na is your best player, and 52-year-old or 3-year-old Phil Mickelson is your best player, you have no chance. Especially when they make trades straight up like Taylor Gooch for Matt Wolf, the best player in the league last year for a guy who didn't even want to be there. And they didn't – that was just a straight-up move. If you guys can manage one squad, what would it be? You get to be like the manager. You get to decide the player come and going contracts. Like, who would it be? I, I There's just one team I just love. Hmm. Not the players. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a I'm a big Kepka fan, but I don't know if I'd want to manage him. You know what I? You know what I, he's just. Uh, I love him for the ego. I don't think I'd want to be the manager for that ego. So I'd go Torque, the, the 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 Spanish team with Neiman Munoz, Pera, and, and Ortiz, because I just I think that that's one of the younger groups on the on the live circuit right now it's one of the younger teams i i feel like just that team chemistry that that they have uh is something different than some of the other ones that seem a bit forced when they're put together um plus you know they're gonna probably enjoy a a a nice drink after most of the rounds and they're the most likely to be out at the slots or out at the tables i think post uh post tournament and somewhere like vegas just because of their youth Mike's having to read who's on each team right now. I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out an angle here. But I'm, th- I'm thinking, you know, if I could manage the high flyers as a coach out of the out of the cemetery, the bottom, the 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 the, the basement dwellers here, that could be coach of the year stuff. You get if you could get that high flyers roster into the top ten, even with how shitty their players are, you're talking coach of the year. Top ten. There's only thirteen teams. That's <laughs> three spots of improvement. Do you do you honestly think that Brendan Steele, Cameron Tringale, film old Phil Mickelson who doesn't even care, and Alec Ogletree who got who got kicked off of live after like one event the first year can beat three other teams for the whole year with that roster just terrible? I don't see it. No, Zach, they've got no chance. Who would you want? Who would you want to manage, Zach? You know. I was actually trying to come at this at a different angle. I was just looking at the teams. I, I think the one team that I would absolutely want nothing to do with are the Majestics. <laughs> Paul Turn Westwood, <laughs> Stenson. I, I well, I've never met Poulter, but God, it, he just seems like he's insufferable. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Like you're, you're just the one I don't want to manage. I'm only picking one because I just love their. I love their. We've made a lot of fun of the team names and the logos and stuff, but I'm a big Range Goats guy. I love, <laughs> I love the actual, you know, um, logo. I think it's sick. I would buy Range Goat gear. Do you know how hard that team would be to manage? You've got Bubba, who's probably on the spectrum. I would do oh, I would for do sure. Something. And then you've got Matt Wolf that that you know needs psychiatric medications more than likely for his depression. Because he Peter, had to exit for so long, and Peter Uline is born with a silver spoon in his mouth, so he's always he's probably a piece of work too. 
I that actually is, have a, that is like, the hardest lift you could have picked. Oh, I think third grade girl squad. I can <laughs> range goats TC. I heard a great Bubba Watson story today. It was on uh, when no laying up was was goes talking about the waste management. Uh, DJ Pi used to work for the PGA Tour, so he was at the waste management one year, and Bubba Watson did not want to play in the waste management. And but his big sponsor at the time, Oakley, was based out of Scottsdale, so they wanted him to play. So he so he made. He commented somewhere, it got in the media that he didn't want to play and he's only there because of his sponsor. So apparently on 16, <laughs> you know, everybody's drunk like they always are. And uh, and Bubba's down there doing something and somebody yells, Bubba! And he, he turns around to like wave because he thinks he's, you know, they're going to cheer for him. And the guy goes, fuck you! <laughs> just as <laughs> loud as can be. The whole place heard it. And Bubba, <laughs> Bubba didn't like know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, I, part of me I could you could not manage the fireballs because then you'd have to wear that damn logo, the worst one out there uh, on everything. Yeah, I was thinking too. The other one that might be fun would be Legion Thirteen, just so I could play the Thundercats theme when I entered the room yeah, to begin my coaching. Like. Speaking of them, so I, I, mean, I Tim, Tim, you've watched a lot of this. I I didn't watch much of this one at all, but. And maybe and and you're not you're you're not you're not going to agree because you love live. What I've seen so far, John Rahm looks so miserable out there playing. Like if he doesn't start to win, and or he does not play well in the majors this year, you could see some sort one of these weeks some sort of epic meltdown from John Rahm where he's just pissed because he doesn't he doesn't seem like he likes being out there at all. He always looks pissed when he plays. So I don't know if that's the <laughs> most fair comparison because Maybe he's not. looked he's looked mad winning where did he win last time? Was it Mayakoba that he he won one of his last PGA Tour victories? He kind of had a little bit of a dry spell one one season, but he always looks kind of pissed when he's when he's out there um was, winning, losing, whatever it might be. I think the uh, first event he griped about the music. He didn't like that. And they didn't like this. Now they won't have to worry about the next one because there's not going to be anybody yet. Chad, it's going to be an empty golf course. It'll be as quiet as could be if there's no music on. Uh, but I don't know. He seems like just pissy all the time out there. Well, at least kind of, you're, kind of, you're kind of right. He kind of does all the time, but like he seems agitated at, at these live events. <laughs> Regardless of, of what you think of Jetta, at least they're in legitimately decent, good golf weather because the PGA Tour is going to be in Florida during that time. And it's absolutely miserable. It's drizzly. It's rainy. It's not warm. The courses aren't quite grown in like they like they should be. At least Liv is moving the players for the most part. It might have been a little bit early for Vegas, but I, I understand. Well, they're, but they're the coming back to there. Florida. They're coming back to Florida before the Masters. They're in Miami right before the Masters. But they're in Miami. They're not they're not all the way in Ponte Vedra next to Jacksonville in March where it's not warm yet. Uh, it, they're at least getting the players on courses where it's appropriate to be playing them in I, in kind of the peak season. I actually think the the Jetta course looks sick. Actually, I think it looks like a cool golf course. Just that nobody goes because who the hell cares about golf in in the Middle East? Nobody. And list and listeners, if if you'd like to help support the podcast, we want to do a Jeff goes to Jetta series where <laughs> we get immediate credentials on live and we ship them over to the Middle East. So oh, uh, let us know if you'd like sick. to donate. 
Perfect segue, Tim. What, are we going to get a, a Jeffy's Journal this week? Version one of Jeff's Journal? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I should probably cover, before we go into Jeffrey's Journaling, really fast piece on grass <laughs> clippings and the good, good desert open. It was the very first time that any one of us podcasters, YouTubers, influencers have really crossed into traditional golf. Uh, it was the first time that uh, Peacock actually picked up the coverage of a all YouTube celebrity golf tournament that happened uh, just before just before the waste management open happened. So grass clippings is an executive course uh, in the Scottsdale area. It just became fully lit for night golf and they featured uh, some of the biggest names within YouTube within golf influencing. Um, who played the course there. And let me find these winners. Hold on just a moment. Blair, the good, good desert. And it took me a second just because I wasn't that familiar with the winning team. I had to go look them up. Um, but goodness, of course, it's, of course, technology doesn't want to cooperate when I need it to. Winners for that were Ashton Gollin and Ben Kruper. And Jeff, you were kind of familiar with them. Yeah. So like the one guy is, I think Ashton guy, I think is the dude that got hit in the back of the head by Kisner. (laughs) On the flop shot. (laughs) And then, and then Kruper is the guy that has a big TikTok following. He's got the pause at the top. So he's like kind of like a Hideki, a really fun golf swing to watch. I mean, it's, it's a substantial pause. So like he brings the club back and he, and he rips through it. It's a, it's a very like, you can catch yourself just watching his swing for a while if you're not careful. Like, uh, I'm gonna see. You know, like he 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 knows that it's pretty unique, and he talks about it a lot. Um, he actually posted one that he said he's been playing left-handed, but I think he just flipped his phone around and mirrored it so that he, like he, he's like, my left hand pause swing is coming along, and it looked just like beautiful. So I'm sure he flipped his phone around, but yeah. Good players. I mean, they play. I don't know much about the Ashton guy, but I think he's played in like some of the amateur, you know, events. I don't know if his. I I think he might even be looking to go, possibly professional, or I mean, down that avenue of, of playing competitive golf. I don't know. I don't quite follow it enough to know how good he actually is. I'm guessing, better than scratch, like a plus. If you're winning that tournament, you're a good golfer. I mean, most of those guys are pluses. So. Like, did the Dolly guy that played at or- Oklahoma, the good, good guy that played Oklahoma, did he play in that? Uh, I, I believe so. I oh. believe so. Because um, I think, is it is it Willie Wilcox is one of those good, good guys that's that's excellent. Um, Luke, Luke Kwan was one of the guys that played professionally as well. That's a good, good guy. Uh, well, uh, so there's there's uh, a lot of, of guys that were pros. Wilcox is the dude that had a really funky swing that – Played a yellow ball, but he got like caught in a heroin. He would show up and play like, like, on drugs, in PGA Tour events, and then Will, then he, Will Wilcox. Yeah, that's that's what Tim was saying. So yeah. so now he's kind of like you know he's healthy, he's back. I think he did some caddying even for was it Sunjay for a while. Um, so he's on a comeback just of getting healthy again. But yeah, he he had some wild stories. Um, he's the one that he, I think he had a hole in one at uh, seventeen at Sawgrass. At some point, he was one of the hole-in-one guys. So, played some really good golf, really funky, just not a very smooth swing, but 
was effective, right? Golf isn't about always pretty. So I don't know. Um, I didn't watch any of it, Tim. So is it worth watching? You know, it, it, again, it's it's learning as they go. Obviously, this is the first time that they've done live, live camera work. Um, so it's not quite to the caliber of, of something we'd experience with Live Golf or with PGA Tour Golf. But a lot of folks follow these guys just because of their personalities, because of the background story, because you get you get more of that sense that you're right there next to them. They interact with the camera more than a typical PGA Tour Pro or a Live Pro will. So I think a lot of the viewership is there because they're watching the personality and not so much for the golf itself. And then obviously there's going to be big bumps because Paige Spiranak was was playing as well. They had 2,500 total tickets and they were sold out for the event. And from the looks of, I watched, I watched the entirety that went up on YouTube. Um, it looked like a really good really good participation rate, really good show up rate for those that did have tickets. They were, they were most definitely out there watching it, the, the tournaments better than the net one than the Netflix cup. Oh, you can't do worse than what Netflix tried to do. That was, that was absolutely awful. There was nothing as gimmicky as jogging down the fairway or, or having to race a golf cart through cones. It was, it was actual real golf um, played by just, just YouTubers and influencers. You know why they sold those 2,500 tickets, don't you, Tim? It's been the year of the blocky. Blocky, blocky played, didn't he? He did. He did. Yep. Uh, blocky, Trotty. I, you know, I've had a... It, here's the thing. It's, again, it, they're learning as they go. This, this isn't traditional media by any sort or way. I haven't found the actual leaderboard outside of physically bringing it up on YouTube. Oh. So, and they they don't move to the second page. So I am not sure after after the tie for seventh where people stacked up. And I don't know where to find it. Huh. So if anyone, if anyone does, please let me know. But again, learning as they go and a whole new venture for the the YouTube guys and and really speaks volumes to where to where golf is is going how it's moving past just the the tours um and folks are focusing on on these personalities on these guys that are doing travel on these different golf courses um to get away from from kind of what we see each and every week with some of the same courses on the tour and some of the same narratives on on the two tours so really cool to see Can I can I go back and say that I would have liked to manage the Ironheads, but last year, who was, who was... my boy C one was on the on the Ironheads last year. I know he got booted out, man. Yeah, we could have had like a bad news bears thing going on. Still, the most mysterious <laughs> professional golf finish of the year last year was him making the cut at the PGA Championship. Even though, even though he was like the worst live guy ever all year long, and he somehow in the in a big event on a tough golf course made the cut. Well, I don't know if you guys are are ready to transition, but uh, the cat is back. Yeah, big cat. He's got his new clothes. He's got new shoes. See that? He's got shoes and everything. Um, and he's ready to go at Genesis. I want a Sunday red. It's two words. It's sun space day space red. Your thoughts. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like the logo. Don't like it. But I don't know. It's Tiger. It'll move the needle. Are are they collabing with anybody to make these clothes? I mean, TaylorMade doesn't make shoes. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. I don't like. I suppose they could just, if they want to, they could reach out to the person who makes all these things in Southeast Asia somewhere and just make them under a TaylorMade name. I suppose I don't. I'm looking at the shoes, or I was just looking at the shoes, and I didn't even like see a. Um, like uh, if you go into our that group Instagram thing we have, somebody sent it in there. They're they're a, they're a black. They look like a sneaker kind of. They're spikeless, which is wild to me because, um, Tiger plays like metal spikes. Or at least the Lord of those ugly. Yeah, they're like I don't even know what if they don't. Uh, there's a little something on the back as a logo, but they don't seem to be really branded much. God, that's just terrible. And most clothing companies will will just say Lululemon because I got no dog in that fight and I, I barely own a single Lululemon thing and everything I've owned has just been terrible. But Lululemon is not Lululemon. They buy from large Chinese manufacturers that take their specs and crank out just tons and tons of products and eventually they stick a Lululemon uh, emblem on it. So we would oh, have yeah, the sure. ability as a, a podcast to buy from the same yeah, the same uh, company in China manufacturing what is Lululemon, but without the logo. So I'm sure that's what TaylorMade and, and Tiger Woods have done in this situation. But talk about talk about nothing new. I mean, there is there is not a single new piece of, of innovation of flair at all in, in both their advertising launch and what's been leaked for the, the three shirts that are online right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan. Let's, uh, you know, we brought Zach in to uh, to talk about, you know, TaylorMade happens to be a part of of uh, you know Tiger Tiger's golf, and we brought Zach in to kind of break down what's happening with with this Tyler TaylorMade, you know, and and Costco scenario situation. He's a patent lawyer. Maybe you want to give us a little background of your of your what do you do? Yeah. Out of- Zach. Um. So my day job, yeah, I'm a patent attorney. So I, uh, I work at a law firm and we represent all sorts of different types of clients who uh, are interested in filing for patents. And so that's what I do day in and day out. So, um, yeah, this, this Costco thing, um, it has been kind of an interesting th- deal. I've been following it kind of, um, tangentially uh but i dug into this a little bit so i'm uh, i'm i'm happy to give some time and and thought to this and uh we'll see what you guys think but so just as as a kind of a primer uh i'll give a few a few minutes of like just kind of patent basics so we're all kind of on the same page so um say you come up with something that's inventive if you got an invention or something and and you want to try to protect it um, and obviously you do that with a patent. So, uh, if you, if you file for a patent, uh, called a patent application with the U S patent office, um, in that patent application, uh, we have a section which are called, uh, the claims patent claims. And, and those claims are written, 
um, kind of in a funny way, but it's, it's literally like I claim X, Y, and Z is my path. And uh, that X, Y, and Z that I'm referring to those, we call those uh, claim elements. And so what those claim elements are kind of like the description of how the invention works essentially. So um, if it's like a device, that those claim elements are like the parts of the device and maybe how they work together, uh, how they accomplish the inventive concept that you're, that you're claiming. Um, and so that's just kind of some, some background, uh, but I wanted to give you an idea of like what the claims are because they become important later. So if you've been on social media in the past two or three months, you've probably seen that Costco released some irons recently. And uh, there's a lot of chatter out there that uh, they look pretty dang similar to TaylorMade's P790 irons. Um, and so, uh, it, and if you've been on social media in the past, I don't know, two weeks or so, um, you've probably seen that TaylorMade has decided to do something about it. So yeah, they ended up, TaylorMade ended up suing Costco um, they also sued a company called Indie Golf in the same lawsuit. Um, Indie Golf is a little bit less relevant, but uh, essentially they're kind of like the manufacturing partner uh, for these for these uh, Costco Kirkland irons. Uh, but anyway, um, sue everybody. So, um, but uh, what Costco is, or sorry, what TaylorMade's alleging in this infringement. Uh, patent infringement case is uh, that Costco's uh, infringing five separate patents that TaylorMade has. Um, and so uh, as stepping away from the TaylorMade Costco thing for another second, um, if in order to like be found liable, um, that uh, in order to found liable that you're like infringing a, a patent, you have to infringe every element of the claim. So I mentioned before, like if you've got a claim that says X, Y, Z, and that's my patent and, and Tim starts making a product that has elements X, Y, Z in it, uh, then theoretically he's infringing my patent. And I'll take some action to stop him from doing that. So what if I only, uh, what if I only have X though? No infringement. All right. Yep. So is that how like generics, like with food and stuff in the grocery store get around it? when they make basically the same thing? Yeah, uh, that's one way. Um, generic drugs are a big thing too. And so like generic drugs, you'll see get released when the patents expire. So patents are good from good for 20 years from the date you file an application. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, in order for TaylorMade to succeed in this lawsuit, they've got to figure out, uh, and I mentioned five patents that they're alleging, um, Costco is infringing and, and for TaylorMade to win, they have to find that, uh, in at least one of the claims in each of those applications, sorry, in one, in each of those patents, cause they're issued, um, Costco has to be infringing every element of TaylorMade's claims. So Do you have access to those claims. Yeah, there it's all public information now. And so just to give you an idea, um, I printed off one of the sets of claims. Um, and so like TaylorMade's claim, it, I won't read everything, but it's like, uh, here's how it starts. 
we call this the preamble, a hollow body iron type golf club head comprising a body, a strike plate welded to the body, a filler material, sorry, a filler material within the internal cavity, a tungsten weight, a threaded toe port, a threaded plug. And then they have some other limitations in this claim that have to do with um, a coefficient of restitution values, which are like, you guys probably know what those are. Um, but it's essentially like the measurement of energy loss. Um, and so anyway, the claims themselves, I mean, I, I read off like seven different elements, right? So uh, Costco is going to have to be found that they're infringing every single one of those elements. And I mentioned like a strike plate welded to the body. Like if it's not welded, it doesn't infringe. Like that's how literal it has to be. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you think, because these Costco irons got tested when they came out. Yep. And my golf spy described them as being quite good, but having a couple distinctly different factors. One, they're chromed the shit out of themselves. Like they are the brightest things on planet earth. Um, and then two, they tested, uh, their seven iron test and Michael get a, a kick out of the, this, uh, 160.9 yards, uh, compared the, to, compared to 165.9. Was a child hitting it? What? <laughs> just an just a normal Jeff. We it's even, a back swing speed. We haven't even talked about the PXG seven iron I hit at the golf show. <laughs> <laughs> do these uh, do, do these things with, end up getting like going all the way to trial, or is it like a settlement? Did they always come up with like a settlement or something? Well, it's it's a dumb answer to say it depends, but it depends because I I look back on. If you guys remember back to when Costco released that first, uh, that that first uh, golf ball, that the, uh, the pro the Pro V, the Kirkland Signature yeah, Pro like V, four, yeah, it was like a four piece golf ball, and it tested really well, and Titleist got upset about it, right? So then Titleist sued Costco over this. Um, we don't know what happened with that because the the lawsuit it never went to trial. I'm pretty sure it settled. So. I mean, if history guides us, maybe Costco settles this one too. I don't know. Um, I mean, if they don't, they could they could go to trial. Um, um, yeah, they 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 could settle and have, have some like sort of license agreement. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of different ways that this could resolve itself. Would uh, would the Costco irons not being quite as good? Would that be enough of a difference to say it's not infringement? These are are not quite as good of a caliber of iron. No, or it, would that not be a, a factor? It wouldn't matter if if you're if you're uh, infringing on every element of the patent claim, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, you still infringe even if even if you're like if your strike plate that I mentioned is like a shittier metal or something than what TaylorMade would use, it's still a strike plate, right? I wonder too, because a lot of this comes down to to finance, right? Yet you're financing your legal team to do the lawsuit. Um, you're writing in writing in losses if, if you're comparing profit versus losses if the lawsuit goes through. I'm looking at Costco, $25.6 billion 
Oh, it's huge. It's a huge thing. It's huge. They would they would gobble up Taylor made in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about how big a Costco is, I mean, they could certainly outspend <laughs> and, and they could drag this on. Or and it could be too that uh Costco's already built this lawsuit into like their their cost margins and everything like that. Like they've already figured out, hey, we could still make a bunch of money off these irons because I don't know where they're manufacturing them. And uh, they allege that they're being imported as well. So they're not all being manufactured here. Uh, it could have just been like, hey, yeah, we'll lose a little bit of money on this until TaylorMade sues us, uh, but we'll still make money. It's it's a profitable venture. Yeah, and those but irons are only going for four four ninety nine. Well, if you can get them, if you can get them, does production stop as they wait, or are they still gung ho? They're making them, they're selling them. I mean, they could keep going um, until there's an injunction. I think that's how it would work. Uh, there's ways to if you're if you're trying to import them, there's ways to stop them at the borders so they're not allowed in to the U.S. Um, I think it's like a trade commission type thing you can do they'll start smuggling they'll start smuggling them though inside of vehicles yeah. and stuff. <laughs> like, oh, you got that you got that good shit you got that straight from mexico <laughs> there's just cuban cigar boats just full of costco irons just <laughs> running them running them from the south to the north submarines there's a bunch of submarines just full of cost mini subs full of costco irons you're like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff. Oh, it's pure, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, but so, you can still, when you buy them, you can still get a hot dog for a buck fifty though. Afterwards, you feel good about purchasing your Costco irons. Yeah, great deal. Great hot dogs too. Do you do you foresee? How do you foresee this going in in your own, um, in your own legal opinion for for Costco for for TaylorMade? Is there something substantial enough here where? These are going to be um, signature, literally signature irons. Is there only going to be a few ever ever made, purchased, and sold? Or, uh, uh, or will they have the ability to know. continue? So let me speculate a little bit on that. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit circular about how we get there. So I mentioned filing the lawsuit and and... When you file a lawsuit to start it, you have to file what's called a complaint. And in your complaint, you set out like the things that you're alleging, like this other party has wronged you, um, how, how the ways this other party has wronged you. And so the first way that TaylorMade has done this is they said, Costco is infringing five of our patents. Here's the patents. Um, the other interesting thing that they have in their complaint is a false advertising claim. And they're claiming that uh, Costco is falsely advertising these irons as having that urethane foam insert. Huh. Um, what's what's kind of interesting about that is I looked through every single one of the patents that TaylorMade alleges Costco is infringing, and the in the claim in the first claim of Four out of those five, they have a limitation, an element, what's what's called the fill, a filler material. And that filler material is urethane. It's like the urethane foam. So 
What's interesting about this is if Costco irons don't have that urethane foam, they're not infringing TaylorMade's patents. So they can have a different kind of stuff in there? Well, the claim itself is drafted so broadly, it's called they just call it a filler material that if if Costco doesn't have that filler material, like they wouldn't infringe this claim. But what's interesting is uh, the two the two like claims that they have set out in their complaint are contradictory because if you're saying Costco's infringing your patents because it has one of the things they have to have is that filler material, but then in the next paragraph you're going down and saying it's all it's false advertising because your irons don't have this filler material. It's strange why this why they have these kind of contradictory statements because you can't really have one without the other. Yeah. Does it make sense? I think the big move for Costco is what if, what if tiger at the Genesis shows up playing Costco irons? They're like, we like, we played tiger a shitload of money. Taylor, fuck off. Taylor made (laughs) tigers playing Kirkland this week. (laughs) <laughs> it's also just the spinniest ball on market right now the worst the worst rated ball on market right now is the new kirkland signature after they had to change their manufacturing practices does the shadiness of costco go into this at all will the judge say hey you guys are pretty bad actors previously in golf tech just stealing other people's stuff uh, you probably did this on purpose again does that well, does that come into play and when no it shouldn't I mean, it's not supposed to. That and why is Costco probably, evil? That ball <laughs> probably spins to him because they probably went and said, okay, we're going to stop at this plant. We're going to stop producing 20 pound jugs of minced garlic or start making golf balls. Let's get going. And, and just flipped it over. <laughs> I won't be oh. buying those golf balls off the, uh, the Cuban cigar boats. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe the irons, but not the golf balls. Well, thanks for that tidbit. Well, yeah. Uh, any, thanks, for, thanks for having any me. Knowledge yeah, on, it's on what damages would look like? Let's say they lose. If Costco loses, what what do you ask for in what are you asking for in damages? Loss loss of sale. Um, yeah, you do some sort of loss of sale calculation. So you could figure out how much how many irons Costco sold and put some multiplier on it and claim that's your damages. That's got to be a weird claim, though, too, because can't Costco turn around and say, well, if people are really buying Kirkland clubs, they probably weren't. It's like it's like a different kind of client. Like they're probably not, never going to buy the thousand dollar tailor made set anyway. There's they're, they're going to buy Kirkland's or nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you actually bring up a good point. Like I was thinking about this earlier and part of me thinks that it, like all these people on Instagram keep saying, like, how similar these two irons are. And part of me thinks whether or not TaylorMade actually thinks they can win this lawsuit or not, part of me thinks that they filed it so you could have that like distinction in the general public of we're trying to say these are not the same level yeah. of irons. But at the same time, too, you're you could it, it's like the Streisand effect. It's like a, it could backfire because now you're getting a shitload of free publicity to Costco's irons anyway. Yeah, it, it, it happens. 
What do we think about showing up to the the golf course and getting paired with a guy with a Costco bag? Because it's it's an absolute epidemic. Of there's they full, full sets. Bag. They have wedges now. They've got bag. They have a literal bag. What are are we looking forward to getting paired with someone that has the shiny new Costco everything? I don't know. I feel like Costco should sponsor you. Everything's in bulk. God, no. So here's a guy that carries 18 clubs regularly. Let's get, let's get let's get him a bulk set a bulk do set they, of of extra stuff in here. Does, does Costco sell cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're actually Kirkland brand. They have a, a lawsuit with Marlboro right now. They could they could go off the K Sig ball and just put it right into cigarettes, just that brand right down the cigarette. Yeah. It's a switch over. It's the same amount of fillers, the same amount of toxic plastic fillers in their golf balls or in their cigarettes. Uh well, I don't know about you guys, but uh it's been a great week of, of golf. I mean, we've done a number of podcasts now. Um, you know, make sure to check our, our live shows from the uh from the Minnesota golf show. I have this Kind of epiphany. I really like the live podcast feel. I love, I love like feeling. Not that remote isn't good too, but you just pick up on body language. It's just like you're having a great conversation. You just want to have a cup of coffee and and talk. And it's kind of a fun time. Uh, getting an opportunity to do that again. So we thank the Minnesota Golf Show for having us out. We always thank our our guests. We had um, John Means, great interview. Hopefully you uh, you get a chance to hear that one. We had uh, Matt Stang. From from Swanee's a great great interview there too. Um, Minnesota Golf Apparel Company. Um, you know I had hit zero PXG clubs besides a wedge I have, and it was fun to kind of hear uh, Ryan Livinggood kind of give us an idea of hitting that kind of club because it's just like he said, like it was kind of known as a club that you know I don't like to spend a ton of money on stuff, so I'm not going to go to PXG because they're known. You're as going to Costco. Perfect. You better buy yeah. these irons. Four ninety nine, Jeff. Right yeah. in your budget. Might see me with those, especially if they're like starting to go on the black market because they're like illegal or something. I'll see if I can find some of those. Um, and then Emma Carpenter. So I ended with her. She's already been on the show once. So that was a good time too. So fascinating stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's almost like I've been seeing you guys too much lately. Like like it's the summertime and we're, we're playing some golf. It's been kind of fun. But uh, anything else that you guys want to touch on before we sign no. off? Did uh... – Pos- but, Did your yeah. daughters win their basketball games? You had to leave the golf show for both days. Oh, get this! You know she's she's in fifth grade, and Mike, you'd appreciate this. She's in fifth grade now. She's a skilled player, so she's got skills. Um, I wouldn't call her like uberly aggressive. She's not a you know she doesn't have like an aggressive bone in her body, but she's skilled. Well, the last game that we played in the second half, they completely face guarded her. So like you're not touching the ball. Basically they put this super aggressive girl on her face guard her the entire time. And she just looks over at me like, what am I supposed to do to Adam? Like, I don't know, like shove her back. Um, set some you know, screens, be a screen setter. Somebody will set an away screen for you so you can come to the ball. But um, yeah, that was, uh, that was her first experience of somebody just saying, you're not going to get it. So it was, we want, I mean, we, we took second, I think. But um, yeah, so that that was uh, that was something I was not uh, not expecting Bemidji. It was a Bemidji squad. Oh, I forgot to ask. I forgot to ask. One of the girls had a Kingbird shooter shirt on, so I was wondering if it was Gerald's daughter. It's possible. I know Gerald. Yeah. Well, I was dealing with my daughter in a whole different spectrum. My daughter last night was 
so nervous that the Chiefs and Taylor Swift might lose. <laughs> My daughter, who has never watched a second of football, I've tried to get her to watch the Vikings with me so many times, will not do it. But when Taylor, when T, when T Sizzle was involved, uh, she was all about Team Taylor Swift. So, so she was on on pins and needles there at the Super Bowl last night. She's going to be begging for red zone next year, Mike. I need Taylor. Well, we just need Taylor Swift to dump Travis Kelsey and start dating a Viking. So then I can, she'll watch the Vikings games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a big week in golf this week, guys. It's like my yeah. fa- my favorite golf course, maybe non-major one sometimes that the pros play, Riviera. That's good. It's a signature event. Oh, there's a cut. Will Tiger make the cut? They cut down from 80 to 50 in this event. So he's got to he's got to try to make the cut. Well, no, uh, no toasty watch this week, sadly. But I know we'll to watch Tiger tee it up again. And the golf course is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it, it um, it's my fa- favorite West Coast event. I think um, I like, I like the golf course. I think it kind of gets lost a little bit in the middle there, you know. But then uh, you know, it's got some good good finishing stuff. I know 18 is a really hard par four, so. You never know if a guy's, you know, head by one or down by one needs to make birdie. You never know what can happen. I know the Finau finished a couple years back. Rom and Max Holma had a great battle last year. Um, that was a lot of entertainment. Um, yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how, how Tiger will play. Speaking of I, speaking of hard holes, I got I saw this today. We were talking about greens and regulation last year at the Genesis. The fourth hole, it's par three. Only sixteen percent of the field hit the green and regulation. The lowest since the lowest in 15 years since the 2008 Open Championship at Royal Brookdale, sixth hole, which is 13.7. That was the year where the weather at Brookdale was just insanely windy and stuff. But only 16% of the field hit hit the green at the fourth hole at Riviera last year. Is that a Redan? It, I think it's the one that's built kind of into the hillside. Yeah. And they all, they, a lot of them like purposely will hit it a little bit short you know, right in front of the greens, they can easily chip up and down. So, so like, if you look at the pattern of missed shots, it's just a shitload of dots on the fringe and right around the green, but there's like hardly any on the green because they, they're very scared about certain pin placements on that hole. Hmm. But yeah. Riviera is awesome. Ama- amazing golf course. Yeah. Looking forward to watching it. Um, Anything else boys before we wrap up? Nada. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, yeah, take- for sure. Back, you know, every once in a while, you know, these three voices get old, and uh, it's nice to have somebody else uh, share wisdom on on this podcast. So, thanks for joining us. Everybody, yeah. have a great week. Thanks for listening. Um, we really appreciate all the listeners out there, especially the uh, the regulars that uh, tune in every week. Just know that we appreciate you. Send us, uh, let us know that you listen to us. I mean, that's that'd be kind of cool to maybe get some listeners out in golfing this year. I don't know if you're from Minnesota or not, but uh, reach out anyways. So. Thanks again. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, the difference between 79 and 80 and everything. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold When you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Look at this shot. It was amazing. Break 80. This guy's pretty good. Break 80. Break 80.